0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Buzzcast today. Um, we're going to have we have a lot to get into today, a lot of stuff to talk about from last night. Um, and the NFL draft here in Philadelphia today, which um, is not all that exciting to me, but I know a lot of people we're out there are interested. Getting a
1: little feedback off of somebody. Yeah, we
0: are. Safe. I'll lower my volume a little. Um, but yeah,
1: let's... um. Well, let, let Russ wanted to mention something... Uh, I did. Yeah, and it's it's pretty it's 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 uh, sort of a sad uh, pre-show, but it is. Hold on. All right,
2: all right. So here's here's what I wanted to add. Um, we also a miracle. Yeah. And there was a guy who played Jack O'Callahan named Michael Mancinudo and he actually was a college hockey player. He played for Maine and Mass and in Massachusetts, and. I had a chance to interview, I talked about it a little bit, but I had a chance to interview players that were in the movie, well, not in the movie, but players that were portrayed in the movie and then actors who portrayed the players, right? And so, you know, it was a fun day, and and Mantenuto was part of the um, that panel, and I spoke with him quite a bit, and I the thing that I took away is, and I went and re-listened to it, You know he was like a guy that your typical massachusetts guy he worked at the docks he did whatever he could and and eventually got into the movie miracle after college and and it was probably far after because he's 35 now you know so if you do the math it was probably he probably kicked around for five or seven years something like that and he talked about the the level of activity they had to be at for that movie and this like these guys were like a team if you listen to the long version I put it up on on audio boom people could just go on my Facebook feed and see it or on Twitter at Sportsology but they really acted like a team when you interviewed him and and even even Eddie Cahill who you know was on his own series again and he was a pretty good goalie like these guys were shooting on him and they said this was like a good semi pro team they had put together to just make the movie and the funny part about that was With Mantenuto, he said there was this one guy who was just chipping away at everybody. And he cleaned his clock. And the funny thing about that is by fighting him and beating him up is the producer said, hey, you know, there's going to be a DVD portion of this uh, extras portion on the DVD. And if you make it to the extras, you get an extra 500 bucks. So Mantenuto was thinking, you know what? I might as well fight this guy. I'll definitely make the extras. And and he did. And so he made an extra five hundred bucks and that meant something to him and he laughed about it. And and it just shows like the character of the hockey player, you know, like that's that's what we expect. And this poor guy um, couldn't get he got one more movie role, and then and then it went dry for him. And then he joined the US special forces and he just passed away. Yeah. Fighting for our country.
0: Wow. Well, Thirty five. Did he how did he pass away? Do we know? We don't know. Um,
1: if it's special, that's the only. If, if it's special forces, they're gonna they're gonna probably limit uh, information. Remember, remember the whole pet thing with Pat Tillman. The the yeah. details of what happened came out only months and months after. So if it was yeah. some sort of uh, secret mission type of thing, they then the the Department of Defense probably won't release it for a while or if ever. Like, but he was 35 oh, years
2: old and and it really hit me because for that moment, you know, we sort of connected and yeah. and I felt like we had a good rapport and I could see what kind of guy he was. And I always thought he would get more movie roles. I really thought he was good in the movie. I thought he was really good, he was really good in Miracle. Yeah, he was. But it just didn't happen for him, exactly. you know. And, and so he went and fought for our country and then this happens and it's just, you know. But at least he had that moment. He was clearly proud about being in that movie. So I just wanted to share that.
0: Yeah, well, that's is sad. I mean, that's a movie that we've watched hundreds of times here. This is like my—that's my daughter's favorite movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's—he was what he was definitely one a star in that movie for sure. It was surprising. Was. Issue, actually. But uh, wow. Well, you know, his thoughts thoughts go out to his family. That's really sad. Um, let's get into the show, shall we? We're getting a little more echoey. I maybe I'm am I not? Do I need to talk a little louder, us perhaps? <clears throat> maybe I'm not sure what it is. Um. Yeah, you know everything sound, everything looks good, but um, yeah, it sounds, it's, it's not terrible, but it's something that is definitely it's a little so squeaky. I, I lowered the volume. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That seems okay. Let's, ch- let's let's go with that yeah. from there. Let's roll with it. Not too bad. Um, all right, here we go. Ready? Hello, hockey world. It's Thursday, April 27th, 2017. I'm Michael Agello, I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. dot com. This is the podcast. That comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And last night, we uh, we we began the second round of the playoffs, and it was pretty um it was pretty interesting. I I, I thought I thought we had two really for first you know what I was expecting last night were two, were two games where you had teams that were I'll mute. I'm sorry, I'm mute you, Russ, for, reason, just for a second. Um, until that, until we get that. So, um, I got it. I can mute you from there. I can unmute you, too, I think. Can I? Can you unmute yourself? I'm sorry, guys, about this technical aspect. Can you unmute yourself, Russ, or not? I don't know if I can unmute you. That's, that's, a, that's a weird thing. Ha. Ah, rats. Just log off, log back in. Log though. off and log back on. I'm sorry, Russ. <laughs> I just realized that, you know, when you're using their phone, you might not have that ability. That's really funny. Um, you can't unmute. Anyway, um, I thought, Mike, last night's games were, were really good games for teams that had had some time off. Like, I I, I thought the... Of the games, and it felt like both of those series got right into it. You know, like it wasn't like a matter of these of of these teams taking a time to feel out. You know, like we sometimes see the second round, the first couple games of the second round tend to be a little bit of
1: a letdown. Well, I, I, I was actually struck by the fact that they were more high scoring and wide open, more not wide open offensively, but more offensive than most of the games in round one. Um, yeah. You know, maybe- Maybe it, maybe it's a symptom of the team's getting worn down a little bit. Maybe it's the better competition. I, I'm not I'm not sure. All I know is that you know you had one game that was four three, another game that was five three, and the the goals seemed to come a little easier than they did early on in the playoffs. They're basically were the same game. They basically were four three games, and um, yeah,
0: and they were four three games. What was interesting about it to me is that you know just both that what both games had in similar had, had had as far as similarities go is both games had moments in time where each team dominated the other team. You know, like you saw that you saw like each, this is, you know, this is what happens when you get good teams, right? You have good teams going in the playoffs and good teams will have, you know, those, they got there because they have the ability to dominate a game. And, and you saw that trading off kind of, it was, it felt like, especially in, in, in um, Nashville, St. Louis, there was a big trade off. The second period was all Nashville. The third period was all St. Louis. So it was fun to, it was fun to watch it develop. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think both Nashville and Edmonton have to feel a little bit fortunate that they got out of the, that. That they got wins in those games because I think that both of them really got not lucky wins, but they got good breaks at at the right time. You know, like the, both those goals were kind of fortunate.
1: Well, I mean, we we all predicted that these series would be long, so it's not, you know, it's not surprising that you know, road a road team like Edmonton won uh, game one. Um, but I, I you know, I think I think these teams are fair. I still think you know A- A- Anaheim is the, is the better and the more experienced of the two teams. And um, but regarding St. Louis and Nashville, I mean, I it, it's they're very even. They're very you know, I mean, the, the, the difference in last night's game was it was PK Subban getting three points. Um, but you know, St. Louis has weapons um, again. I, I and we mentioned this yesterday when you have a guy like Jake Allen who played great in the first round, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit of letdown. Maybe there'll be a little bit of coming back down to earth. And I thought that that was the case because I didn't think he played particularly strong yesterday from what I saw. And if, if Jake Allen is not the Jake Allen of the first round, if he's more the Jake Allen of the middle of the season, then I think I think St. Louis is is in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
0: I do too, and I think that you know when you look at it, the Predators. They, I, it's hard to say. Like, I would say this.
1: Send, send Russ an invite.
0: Yeah, I just did. I sent him another one. Um, I'll send him another one now, though. Sorry, we're getting Russ coming back on here. Um,
1: yeah. I'm listening. Go ahead.
0: Okay, cool. So I just got the other invited. So um, I felt like the Blues looked like the better team more than the Predators looked like the better team last night, but. But you know, there we go. Hey, Russ. Hey. But so I was just talking about. I'm talking about the Blues Predators game. I felt like the Blues looked like the better team more than the Predators looked like a better team last night. But it, you know, it was time, and I want to get into, the, of course, the controversy about last night's game because I got into it on on Twitter, and oh my god, Twitter cracks me up. Um, you can put any any opinion out there on Twitter that you want to, and. Of course, you know I guarantee you'll never be able to put an opinion out that more people agree with than disagree. Like people just because anyone who disagrees with you on Twitter will tell you not only they disagree with you, but tell you that you're a total idiot for having an opinion at all. Sure.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll which get is, you'll get you'll get people that agree with you, and you get people who tell you you're an ass clown, which so is like, like
0: unbelievable. Like yeah, you know, to me, it's just people are so incredible. I I get it. I guess it's your chance. To up it. but, um, I was ta- I had some NHL players and some supporters agreeing with me, so I was happy about that, but. My feeling was the Fiala hit was a dirty hit, um, and you know, and, the, and I know that I'm alone on that feeling, but it just it seemed to me as if you know the, the play was obviously going into the corner, it was, go, it was going behind the net, and you know the, the player on Fiala, he had he had a moment where he could have pulled up a little bit, and instead of pulling up, he literally laid into him, like um, and, and and he got on top of him, put his all his weight into him, and buried him into the boards, and I, you know, I, I think this was a really, is, you know, a, a, just a dirty play, in my opinion. And, and if not dirty, at least a real lack of respect type play that just doesn't, you know, maybe dirty is a hard word to use. Or maybe people got had trouble with that word. But I think it, it's really kind of a ridiculous play. And it's a shame because Fiala, we just talked about how well he was playing and how important he was. He was having a great game, too. Yeah, having a great game. I thought he was, the, you know, I wrote him as one of the keys to the series. And if I, if you had told me Fiala was going to be out for the series, I don't know if I would have picked the Predators in the series. To be honest, that's how important I think he had gotten. So this is a, it's, it's, it was just, it was really sad because it was, it was mean. It didn't have to happen that way. And I, I mean, you can check my Twitter feed out, but right? I posted a picture of, you know, the highlight from behind, which really just, and I know it's slow motion, and I know that this play is happening all fast, and I know, and yes, I have played the game, and I understand that how this works, and I understand momentum. It's just a matter of, you've seen this play before, you've seen this play happen many times. It's not an uncommon play. I've seen seen players, you know, ride guys into the boards perfectly fine. Then I've seen guys drive – somebody, like, get his weight over top of Fiala, a smaller player, and drive him into the boards. And that's really what it looked like to me.
2: Here here was the hard part for me. The hard part for me was – and I watched it a few times, and then you sent it to me, so I watched it again. He definitely is getting pushed. But I can't tell you that Bortuzzo was pushing him full weight the whole time Because at some point, Viala did have momentum, unfortunately, momentum on his side, and and he definitely slid in there. And I don't think Bortuzzo really ran him in with his full force. I just think when he took him out, and he definitely meant to take him out, because Viala was going to a dirty area where he may have been able to score a goal. So he was taking him out. I get that. But I think the sliding momentum is what killed him, and that's why I'm not killing Bortuzzo here.
1: Yeah, I mean Bortu- Bortuzzo leans into Fiala because I watched I watched it about a yeah, dozen yeah. times I'll before. Throw it, I'll throw it up when you look at right. it. But I I watched it about a dozen times before the show before the show. He he leans into Fiala and Fiala almost looks like he's not expecting it. It's like it's like he's expecting to go around the net and maybe try to do a wraparound. And Bortuzzo is a bigger defenseman who leans into him and he just crumbles into the boards. And like I, I don't think it's a dirty hit. I just think it's it, it's you know I mean it's unfortunate that it was right at the point maybe five or six feet away from the boards and him losing his edge or being, or losing that that uh, that physical battle led to him just getting crumpled and you know it, it was released just about an hour ago that he has a broken uh, femur you know, the thigh the thigh bone so he's out for the rest of the playoffs. But I don't think it was like a, you know, a Brian Marchment predatory. No, thing. I don't either. Yeah. yeah I, and, we're, and,
0: watch and we're watching, you know, Um and here's the thing. Okay. So I can get it on your right. You're seeing, I'm not seeing it yet. Here it is. Um, sure. Okay, so here it comes. All right. So to me, I'm fine with most of it. Okay. And, but at the very end, you know, there's a definite movement towards the guys, first of all, towards the guy's head. And then, you know, so he's getting on top of him and driving him in. And at this point. At this point, right now, he does not. He can't possibly think. But I don't think he can get out of it, Eck. Where could he go? Yeah. All right. No, uh, no you, can, you, you can easily. You can. You can ride him into the boards. You can. You can skate with him around the
1: net. You can. Unless he, it he
2: dives it. over him, how's he getting out of it?
1: But Eck, see, th- this is the thing. We're we we're, we're looking at this. I know. I know. We're, we're looking at this in reaction to the fact that Fiala broke his leg. If Bertuzzo lets up on him and he goes around the net and and does a wrap around on Jake Allen. Everybody who's a, who covers the Blues or who, who's an NHL reporter say Bertuzzo was soft and he let the guy score. You can't, you cannot act on it that way or look at it that way. Plus, and, and, and I think this is what colored, you know, maybe you know, pe- those who think it was dirty. Bertuzzo doesn't know that Fiala has just broken his leg, and afterward he's pounding him on the back, you know, because he thinks, I mean, that's that's what you do in the playoffs. You're trying to right. So I mean I, I, I don't think it was dirty. I don't think he will get suspended. There's nothing from the Department of Player safety. It's unfortunate it, but I, I think that this is a reality. And you can't you can't expect a defenseman to let up on a forward who possibly could go around the net and score a goal. So I I now know, here's I,
2: the thing though. As far as the delay in the game, the seventeen minute delay. Yes. Why can't they have two ambulances there at all
0: times? I think they usually do. I think what it, what from what I was told, one of the ambulances that was there got called out, okay, um, because of another emergency somewhere else. Okay, and, um, you know th- that's 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 what I was told at least. I mean, listen, I, I, I know I'm not going to win this fight, and I and I get it. I get I, I understand exactly what everybody's saying about this, and I get I get it completely. Hundred percent can see it the other way. I just can't help but think that at this this hit was against Ovechkin or Crosby or something like that, this would be different. I if, can't
1: this help it. Was, if this hit was against Ovechkin, Ovechkin and Crosby, neither one of them would have crumpled. I think they probably... They're no, no, strong. No, I didn't that. In that
0: position there, you're very vulnerable there when you're, go, you're, you're, you're stretching out to go behind. He's no, I, I, don't, I don't agree. I think that, I think
1: they're stronger on their skates than Fiala is.
0: I don't, think, I don't think it has anything to do with how strong you are on your skates at that point. If you're if right. No, you're, I don't think it does either. I think it's there. just the amount of
2: impact that you have, but...
0: Heck,
2: yep. I'm not sure, but, you, you can, know, the one thing I didn't get to say about the game when I had to reboot yeah. and everything. Two things. I was really impressed with the coaching job that Peter LaViolette did after that. Yeah. The, yeah. the way he was talking to his guys, because that could have been devastating. I, I know people always think, well, it's going to galvanize the team. It could also be devastating. Yeah. And, yeah. and he really handled it well. He talked to his coaches. He talked to the players. He was talking to the player. I really appreciate and we know Lavi let a little bit like watching him for a year. Or so this was good for him in the sense that he really settled down his team after a bad situation. And I got to
0: tell you they got to Jake Allen. They did. Okay. And I and that break the Predators came out pissed off, you know. There was definitely an emotional thing about this about Fiala's going down. Yeah. And the Blues came out flat as could be and and you know the Preds took it to him. I just I really feel as if, you know another reason why I'm probably pissed off about this is like I said before, I really feel as this as if Fiala's injury takes tilts the series towards the blues in a big way. Um and I think that No, I don't
2: I, think so. I you know I what? I don't think hard. so. I think I still saw enough out of the blue line of Nashville, especially Ellis, creating offense and causing problems for St. Louis. I think I think that Nashville will hang with them and I think they'll still beat them.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a, it's a significant loss because Fiala has been, yes. you know, since being recalled. I think he was recalled in in February or, or early March. He's played really well for them, um, but they still have you know they still have that number one line with Arvidsson and Johansson. And Johansson and- was awesome in that game. Yeah,
0: yeah he was yeah. great. He was great, and they're going and they're gonna need him to and- be great.
1: And, uh, and honestly, I don't think that the Blues have anybody to really match up against Johansson physically because Johansson's a bigger yeah. center. You know, Paul Stastny coming off an injury can't handle him. You yeah. know, LaTera can't handle him. I don't think, you know, I mean, so, I mean, really that's a matchup that, that the, the, the Predators are going to have to take advantage of. And I think they, they did in game one. They moved the puck
0: really well. It was a fast game. It was an exciting game. I mean, it, and it was an intense game. This is gonna be a bloodbath of a series. I mean, I think it's gonna be a great series. Yeah, I think anybody who comes out of the series is gonna be in a lot more pain than whoever comes out of Anaheim Edmonton, even though I think Anaheim Edmonton will Whoa.
1: I, I, I I would dispute that simply yeah. because I mean Anaheim Edmonton was pretty chippy.
0: Oh yeah, no, and you have the chip you have the you have the you have the subplot of, of them just hitting McDavid all the time, right? So that's like and that is something that is going to get under Edmonton's skin, and and you, that will that will, brew up. But the but you have you have the the kind of players on the Predators and Blues. You have more of those kind of players. Yeah, I agree. That will, that will take that to another level. Like but, I but think you know,
2: there was a techie point in this game. I don't know if you noticed. I'd never seen a game in Scott Trade. Is it still Scott Trade? Because you never know. Okay. Yeah. I I never yeah. saw a game there live. But I noticed when Fiala was on the, on the ice. And he was having trouble. Players were looking in the boards. There was a, a flat screen TV in I the boards.
0: That. I saw that. That was really interesting. Nobody I mean, has tech-
1: that. I've never seen that anywhere.
0: It was a techie thing. I, I, I thought that too. I'm like, wow, that is. that was pretty cool. Um, I yeah.
1: stolen that from my apartment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but it was
1: an amazing thing, Mike, because players, well, instead of
2: having to look up at the scoreboard, were just looking at this screen that was embedded in the boards.
0: Um, yeah, and I, I mean, we and we also had a debate on, on, on our on our text back and forth with each other last night about the last goal, um, whether or not Vernon Fiddler's goal was a bad goal by Jake Allen or not, because um, I, I kind of felt like that was the bad goal by Jake Allen, um, and my reasoning on that one was it, that Jake Allen got caught in no man's land. You know, he didn't; he wasn't aggressive enough to get. He should have gotten to the puck more. He, he or he's got to stay back. But what happens is he goes halfway. And allows Fiddler to just get a stick out there and poke it over, him, basically.
2: I, I agree. I
0: think that's fair. So I felt like that was a that was a hesitant moment by Jake Allen. Um, that you know, and and with a lot of these goalies who are positional goalies, um, they do have a tendency to not go after the puck in a situation like that. But but Jake Allen, you know, they have to make a decision one way or the other. Like either you stay back in position or you go for it. And Jake and, Allen and Rene I, was
2: a real leader on the ice because with with fiala he went over there and he sort of nudged him with his blocker which was really nice to see and he just played great like this was Pekka renee right now is one of the best
0: playoff goalies out there renee is an interesting goalie in general because i mean of, of all the goalies i've ever covered he is the least likely personality to be a goalie of any of them i think because right you know what i mean when you talk to him he is not the kind of like a lot of goalies are weird like i'll bring up ryan miller you know ryan miller is just tone flat out weird you know, and yeah. he, he has like, he'll have strange, you know, I remember watching Ryan Miller one time set up rows of, of, of tape on, on, on his locker, you know, in a certain specific, in like an ODC specific order. You weren't yeah. allowed to talk to him. You weren't allowed to ask him anything about what was going to happen in the game later that day. And you're watching and watch, I'm just watching him. I wanted to film it and you're not allowed to film that, you know, you're not allowed to film. This is part of his ritual. He's doing this whole thing. So I watched him and then I watched him take, take the tape off after after the skate and he took it off one strand at a time, would roll that up into a fine little ball and put it there and then throw it over at, at the end, throw all of them into the trash one at a time. Um, it was like this whole thing of like, you know, now, but Peca, Peca Rene, you know, you can talk to him five seconds before the game, and he doesn't he doesn't freaking care. Like, Pekka Rene does not have any of that in him. He doesn't have any of that goalie superstition type thing to him at all. No, I, he is,
2: I watched him after games a few times. He has no ritual either that no I can tell.
0: He's and he's he's just he is a he is literally another he's a player on that team who happens to be playing goalie like like well, we have it's a lot the of same as Lundqvist. Lundqvist yeah. is the same way.
1: I was I was gonna say maybe it maybe because there there is sort of a differentiation between the European goaltender and the North American goaltender. You know, I think that's like, true. A guy like Frederick Anderson is very understated, very sedate. Yeah. Uh, the kid that played for the Marlies last night, Casimir Kaskasuo, who's a, he played in U.S. college, but he's a Finn. Very very the same way. I've I've been in scrums with Tuka Rask, and you know, you just said um, uh, uh, Lundqvist, um, but. No, like a guy like Brayden Holpe, I mean, did you have? Have you ever seen the routine that he goes through? This oh, he, this, oh, this yeah. eye visualization thing. He looks like he's spacing out. And and, and he's
0: my favorite goalie in the NHL. And I, I love watching Braden, Braden Holpe. But like it's guy, bizarre. I, it's really strange. Oh, well, it's strange, but he is. He's but it's all very calculated with him. And it's very um. He is. He is to me like the epitome of, of the of the goalie personality that like that you want. You know, like he's absolutely every every part of it. He is. He has a little bit of quirkiness to him, which is just fun, you know, because you want a little bit of quirkiness. But he also is so friggin' solid and so relaxed under pressure. I mean, there's nobody more relaxed under pressure than Holby in the NHL. Like he, Mm -hmm. that's where he, that's where you know he and Lundqvist do. Now Lundquist is Lundqvist is relaxing under pressure too, but but you can but we've all seen things get to Lundquist. I've never seen anything get to Holtby. Um Well,
2: Eck, you know, I saw you very relaxed in the shootout, or you were just slow. I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, well, that, that was totally psyching out, uh, psyching our buddy out. No, there. but
1: and, and, and Lundquist, Lundquist isn't relaxed. He's you're just losing yourself in those beautiful blue eyes of his, Eck. Oh yeah, Yeah,
0: he's mesmerizing. He is. Um, I want to bathe in those those eyes. Um,
1: Lundquist
2: could come out of the locker room, I swear, and and just look like. He has just stepped out of the GQ magazine. No other male on earth can do that. It's I know great. we talked
0: about this before, but that press conference it was during the finals—and we sat in when we sat in Madison Square Garden. We waited for Lunquist forever to come out. To yeah. Come out, you know, and we're all like saying, you know, he's going to come out looking perfect, and he came out looking at, like this guy, like you know, with the whole with the whole national media all sitting there, hungry, waiting, wanting to go to the party to get some food. We're all sitting there waiting to talk to Lunquist, We talked to Aver talked to Strom, we talked to all the other people that came out. And then finally Lunquist gets out there, you know, and he looks like you know he just stepped out of the GQ magazine. I honestly, I don't think he and I don't see he and Renee's personality at all the same. Like I, I think they're very oh, no, no,
2: no. The, the calmness and no yeah, ritual. That's what I mean. No ritual. No, I mean, but I mean, um, Renee comes I mean, out
1: Lundquist, in a tracksuit, Lundquist, probably.
0: Do I'm a little bit. Um, you know, Lundqvist better than I do, but I think I think he's got more superstition. Where Renee really doesn't have the slightest. Like I've I've talked. Lundqvist really doesn't have any superstitions. Really? Okay. Because I talked to Bill Nashville one time. Because Renee, we were I was down there. And they were with my son after he had had some, some uh, medical stuff done. And the Predators were really nice. And they brought him into the room and everything like that. And they, and Rene was there. And they had a game at night. I'm like, I'm like, and I say to my son, I'm like, you don't, don't, he's the goalie, don't, you know, got to leave him alone. Just like, you know, just say. And the guy's like, oh, no, you know, just Rene, Pat, come talk. He came over to talk. He was just really, you know, really nice guy. Just like solid, solid, solid guy. So. I have to say that I'm a real big fan of, like, almost all the goalies that are, that are playing right now. Um, yeah, know, and, and
2: I got to say, Lunquist was very good about squirting Gallagher with the water
0: bottle without the ref seeing him. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Lundquist is sneaky. Like, don't get you wrong. I mean, you know, but Lunquist has that, you know, like, like like Marty Biron has said, that, you know, he's got everything, has to have everything perfect. He might not be superstitious, but he, if he's got the slightest injury at all, you know, where Rennie will play through almost anything. That's true. And,
1: yeah. Yeah. you
0: know, so. Rennie really feels like a – like. Rennie feels like you took like you know Radko Gudis and put goalie equipment on him and just said yeah. like, go in there.
1: L- Lundquist would have tried to j- jab him in the nads with his stick, Russ, but he would have had to find his nads.
0: <laughs> all right, you know. Goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> just kidding, folks. No just kidding. No title, find his nads. Um, all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the title of the show, find his nads. Come on. <laughs>
0: That's the title, yeah. Um, So that game goes on. Um, The Predators win that game. I really don't get a feel for the series yet, and I will throw this out to you guys. You know, we sat here yesterday on the show and made our predictions, right? And I predicted, we all predicted to win the series. I think in six or seven, we all said the same thing. Yeah. I sat down to write my article before that started, and I changed my mind and went with Edmonton.
1: Oh come on! No, you can't do that. You're disqualified. No, no, no,
0: no. no, no. You're allowed. allowed. You're allowed to, up until game time. You're allowed to no. put Do you have a time? Point. Do you have a time date stamp on that? <laughs> it's, on my, it's on my. blog. Yesterday, you'll see it. It's like five o'clock. At night. <laughs> you know, I wrote it. It's on my blog, and I wrote. You know, I even wrote that I changed my mind. It's like I don't know. Something just hit me that that for some reason, it's just a gut feeling that Edmonton was going to win this. Now, I don't. I still don't know. Like last night, I felt like at times Edmonton was was really good, and at times Anaheim. Did outclass them? I felt like there were times when Anaheim looked way better than them. Um, they got, I mean, you got two goals from Adam Larson. That's not going to happen every day. No. Um, and you know, so they they got through it. They they stole a the game. I mean, I felt like I felt like Edmonton stole that game in Anaheim. Right?
2: I think that's fair. I think there were a few things that happened that really were unfortunate, like when when Manson knocks in a puck. Clearly, Gibson had that shot lined up, and Manson knocks it in. That's bad. When you have a five-on-three because of really stupid penalties that your teammates take, and gets left stick literally breaks one second into the five-on-three, <laughs> you know, you know that they're going to score immediately on that. A
0: five-on-two—that that was, that was crazy. I mean, watching a five-on-two, that's just that is really unfair. It but, really is unfair.
1: But that, but, that, but that, that, that being said, go ahead. That being said, I still I didn't think Gibson was particularly strong in the game, and Edmonton. The concerns about their defense, I think, still have to be there because up three, one, up three to one in the third period, you have to lock that game away. And within the span, I think it was a minute and thirty seconds, Anaheim tied up the game. Um, I mean, the one thing that was interesting was that Randy Carlisle, after after the game, was not berating his team—that's too strong—but criticizing his team, especially some some particular players not being you know physical enough, not stepping it up. The, then, which is strange because they took some stupid penalties and Edmonton scored two power play goals in that game. And if you look at the first first round series against Calgary, Calgary scored six power play goals. So if Anaheim steps it up physically and takes dumb penalties like they did in game one, that could be the recipe for their disaster if they don't pay, kill penalties better. That's fair.
0: Yeah, that is fair. I was trying to fix the uh, contrast on my phone. I, totally, I, think that is, I think that is fair. And I... You know, and that's exactly what you expect from him. He's a, he's a he's a great coach. You know, and he, he I think that, like, he did a, I mean, I that that game was interesting. the The, the incredible thing about this season, one of the stories that really has to be mentioned is the Adam Larson's for Taylor Hall trade. You know, as like as it continues, I mean, I know he scored Whoa. two games last night, but this is one of those deals that that really has shown the difference between a value of a defenseman and a forward in the NHL. Well.
1: I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you bring this up because, you know, I mean, for teams out there like the Sabres, like yeah. Toronto, and a number of other teams who are going to be trying to get defensemen, I mean, you you, you mentioned yesterday in your blog about the, the Vlasic deal. I yeah. don't think that the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson deal is precedent-setting because for one simple reason. Edmonton was so desperate for a defenseman that they had to overpay and they had a bevy of forwards. You're, you're Like, if a deal – happens this summer for a guy like Vlasic. I mean, that's a specific situation where San Jose has him for another year. They might not be able to sign him. They're not going to have the type of leverage that that New Jersey had with Larson where a team is desperate for a defenseman like Edmonton was. I don't think that that will set a precedent in the league. It's not going to be where every team is going to have to t- trade a number one pick or a franchise-level cornerstone forward for an, a, a three or four defenseman. It just doesn't no, I think
2: that's. Out. I think that's fair, Mike. I do. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I The one thing that really stuck with me in that game was, and I believe it was during the five-on-three, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has an absolute, absolute open net, yeah. and I think he hit all four sides of the post.
0: Like, yeah, I just – rushed – he really rushed the good. shot. He did he looked really good last night, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like that—that's—that was—that was the best game I've seen him play in the playoffs so far. Um, He's snake bitten. Uh, he is snake bitten. At one point, he was carrying the puck, and it was funny. The announcer—I was listening to. Um, by the way, I think one of the best radio groups. Because like, last night I, I was kind of thing where. Had some television on. They were falling asleep. No, my son was up sick, and all this stuff was happening. And I'm so I have the game on, and and I'm also listening on headphones to the to the play by play on on Sirius on my off my phone, so I could hear what's going on when I was wasn't around it. So I was listening to the Oilers Oilers radio team, and they are maybe one of the best radio team, like the play by play people for the Oilers. I don't know who they are, but they are so fair and level level, like and and in a great way, like not just you know usually players are you know these people are so pro their team. But they were like, when it was 3-3, you know, normally, you know, the Oilers taking a 3-1 lead, the team comes back and ties at 3-3. That's when you would hear a home home team radio team, you know, get like a little bit down or whatever. And they're yeah. like, oh, we got ourselves a hockey game. This is fun. You know, that, that's, that was the attitude they had. So it was really it was really, it was really really nice. Anyway, that's an aside. But um, I, I'm going to just to finish the Larson thought, Mike, for you, and then I'm going to touch base on what you were talking about, Russ, there. The, I, I don't think it's precedent setting in that you always have to trade a guy like Hall to get a defenseman. I agree with that. What might be precedent-setting is is showing teams how important it is to get a defenseman. Like, they, yes. yes, showing you know, showing, and that doesn't mean you have to you have to go out and get this you know get trade away your one of your you know a player that was taken first overall. But it does mean that you have that it's worth it's worth play, trading a good player to get a defenseman because um, you know a good score, yeah. like the sexier player for a sure. non sexy player kind of nothing personal with either of these guys. But you know what I'm saying? Like, a, like you know the right. a forward is a sexy player. You know, um, defenseman, you wouldn't want to sleep with you know if your life depended on it. So that's how I see it. <laughs> what? Um,
1: <laughs> I'm just. You took the analogy to- a little too far. I'm
0: right? thinking metaphors, but I'm like, you know what I'm saying. So I'm just TMI. saying. Yeah, yeah. Goalies, on the other hand, you know, we're we're pretty damn hot. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah. So, but I think the way what, you, so what you're seeing there is really. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: see, I mean, the, the I, thing I do is, think that
0: guys like Vlasic are more valuable because of what's happened with Larson, um, and and yeah, I, teams won't be and teams can just I think also think this when a team makes a trade like this, yeah. Evans took a lot of
1: heat for that deal, you know. Yeah. Now, yeah. and I think they should. I think they should, and I still think they should I don't because think they should anymore, well I just, no, no, just because Adam Larson scored two goals, no, not just because
0: Adam Larson scored. They they're in the playoffs. This team has been really they – they've oh, been okay, better. Wait, better. Wait, 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 wait. There
2: was and no was way played. the Devils were going to make the playoffs just because they got not, the tail Hall. I'm, I'm not the
0: Devils. I'm talking about the Oilers. Yeah, like, okay. The Oilers but, are a better team because of that trade. That's the bottom line.
1: There yes, but, the, but, okay, that trade in and of itself did not make the Oilers a playoff team. It was right. you know, it was cleft bombing. helping. It make will, a better
0: team, and the trade should be determined that if a trade going to make you better. Right,
1: but, but not, but not solely because of that trade. They added Russell. Clevibom stayed yeah, healthy. No, there's and a lot there. of things. I agree, but yeah. but so wait. So you're saying main... that
2: Taylor Hall didn't make the Devils better?
0: No, Taylor Hall, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that I, the, I think Taylor Hall was. Well, the, it can't, be, it was one right. it, it can't no, be one right. way. It can't be one way. Well, trades can work for two teams. No, but, I mean, they, needed, they needed what Taylor Hall brought. They needed what Adam Larson brought. That's fine. It's, it's make It can be it can be a t- trade that works for both teams, and that's what I think it was. But and, I think and, that at the and, end of the day, a lot of and, people over the years have been afraid to trade away players that have any kind of like cachet for a player that's like a defenseman, a 3-4 defenseman or whatever, because that seems ridiculous. That
1: seems crazy. And I think that this trade will make that a little bit easier for teams to do. That's all well, I'm saying. Well, I, okay, and, that, and that's, see, that's where I think we, we, we separate here, because Edmonton needed a defenseman. They needed depth on defense. They... Their situation was unique because they had so many top-end offensive players. That having that many, it's like it's like a it's like a uh, an NFL team having you know three All-Pro wide receivers. You're not going to get full value for an All-Pro pro wide receiver because you have three of them. So, you know, the value of Taylor Hall was reduced because Edmonton had McDavid and Yakupov and Eberle and Nugent Hopkins, and they were going to sign Lucic. I mean, they were so desperate for defense that they would not get full value for a franchise-level cornerstone player like Taylor Hall. It benefits both teams. Taylor Hall will score goals with New Jersey. Larson will be a solid three-four defenseman with the Oilers. But if I was ma- if I was those two teams, I would take Taylor Hall over Adam Larson every day, include and twice on Sunday. Every day, I got to tell you guys,
2: this conversation is as dumb as strawberry nut M and M's. Look it up. Wow.
1: By the By the way, the the broadcast crew for the Oilers is Jack Michaels and Bob Stauffer.
0: Thank so, you. Yeah, Bob Stopper. Bob Stopper's always been good. They they really are like, um, they just really are solid. I, I was just impressed. Um, anyway, I mean, I just think that I think that this will. I thought that Edmonton looked okay. I thought that I thought that Anaheim did a great job on McDavid, and I, and Kessler Kessler will will make McDavid crazy. And that that's yep. that's fun. That's a fun part to watch. That's what's fun about it. It'll be definitely a different series when
1: they go to Edmonton when they can get him away from him a little bit. And this 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 will show this will show the growth of McDavid because yeah. early early in the year this year and we I talked about this a few times that game in Toronto where it was you know it was billed as you know McDavid versus Matthews and the Leafs matched up Nazem Kadri against uh, against uh, against McDavid and Nazem Kadri could annoy Jesus he could you know he could get underneath his he could get underneath his skin <laughs> and he and he and he did get under the skin of Mick Jesus because. McDavid lost his cool in that game. He was smiling. He was annoyed. He was completely annoyed. And last night I saw the same thing. There were a couple times where after the whistle, Kessler would push him, would nudge him, and you got the smile from McDavid. And that, you know, I mean, he didn't score. A ton of, he didn't score. It was Dreisaitl who was the big guy yesterday. But if they keep doing that and McDavid doesn't respond, that's going to be a big key. Oh, in this but why did it take so long for Anaheim's offense
0: to kick in? I don't know. I, that, that's that's, what I think, that's. I think that's. I think that's the result of the break. Like. I think. I think. Sometimes. Okay. It, if, if, I, that's my opinion on it. I don't know. Like. I think we'll see less. I, we saw less of that in the Nash. We saw St. Louis's offense take a while to get going too. But um, I think
2: that's because like Svoboda was clearly playing hurt. Like that hurt him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. That's true. But I, I think that. I think Anaheim. Anaheim's offense started to really get into gear, and then it felt as if if Larson doesn't score that goal, I really felt like Anaheim wins that game. Like it really, it okay. really feels like I, that's why I felt like the stolen games like that. I thought Talbot was weak at times. Like Tal- I thought Talbot. There was a really bad goal. Was it the third goal? I think yeah. That Talbot let in. That was really not a good goal.
1: I, mean, I was nodding
0: off at that point. Yeah, the
1: one that was the one that was video. Okay, <laughs> the video review is good. I mean yeah. that that goal. If they would have waved that one off, <laughs> that you know we're getting we're getting to the point now where I mean Kessler. He really didn't interfere with Talbot, and I think that's the. I mean, or in terms of impeding his motion, if yeah. he, if he his stick had come in and he had prevented Talbot from getting over to try to stop the puck, then I think it would have been waved no goal. But right now, there's there doesn't seem to be any kind of set criteria when it comes to goal or no goal. It feels, like, to, it feels like it's fluid,
0: like the whole thing. Like yeah, it is.
1: And I'm telling you right now, it's going to break a team uh, yeah. in this playoff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy the will of a team at a certain point in a certain game where a goal should count and it's going to get waved no goal. I do
0: think that the Hawks – I do think this – I still think that the Hawks game, that one goal that, that should have mm-hmm. – I think the Predators should have – it shouldn't have been allowed and the Predators got it. I think that if the, if the Predators don't score that goal, they probably don't win game three against the Hawks. And if they don't win game three against the Hawks, who knows what happens. You know? So that I really right. think – I mean, for what it's worth. I,
2: uh, let's not go there yet. I'm not ready to go there yet.
0: Well, you know, momentum. Momentum in the NHL is, is a crazy thing. I know, but it's not that much. I'm not doing, I'm
2: not going there
0: yet. Well, I'm not saying that they would have definitely lost the series, but I, I think we we would have seen a different series. I don't I don't know that we would we, wouldn't, we would have seen at least five games, and with five games you could have been at least seen six, you know. So it's like one of these things to me. It goes a little bit further. This is
2: a quickie draft discussion. You up for that? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, so one of the guys that I really like in this draft is Casey Middlestat. <clears throat> Kid out of um, Minnesota area. He he had an interesting season because he played part of the season for the Green Bay Gamblers of the USHL and part of the season for Adina, no Eden Prairie, Eden Prairie, for in um, in Minnesota. And and he was the captain of that team. He actually played from mid September to mid November in Green Bay, had like 30 points in 24 games in a really good USHL league then went and played in high school, and he had something like 64 points in, I don't know, 27 games, something like that. But he didn't win a national Minnesota State Championship. He was trying to win that. He didn't get to win it. His team lost, I think, in the semis, but he won the Mr. Hockey Award. This guy, he's already six foot, six one, 201 pounds. He's a centerman. He's smart, he's fast. You can look him up on YouTube if you want to see just amazing plays. He's got a lot of highlight plays. He played in the All-American Prospects game. He played a little bit for the U.S. national team. Like, he is just a tremendous all-around player. I I put him third in my rankings. I maybe was the first one to do that because I just saw that this – we're not even seeing the best of him yet. Like, he – I think when he continues to move up the ladder, we'll see better things out of him. And I believe he's committed to University of Minnesota. So he's staying all Minnesota. And a lot of times when – Guys have that pedigree. We've seen them. They usually do pretty well in the NHL. Oh,
0: that's going to be fun to watch. That's great. Interesting. I, I had not really heard of him very much. Mike, that's you got all. any thoughts on
1: middlestep Well, I mean, I, I do know that, you know, he's probably, you know, I mean, from what I've Done in terms of my cursory research for the draft. I mean, it sounds to me like he's he for sure going to be in the top five. I mean, I, I would be sort of surprised if he if he didn't. But I don't know whether he's going to get up into the you know the stratosphere along with Patrick and shear It sounds like those two are going to go one two. But Middlestead could move up as much as number three, and you know that that. I mean, if, if he gets the up there, I mean, you know, there. I'm sure there are a few teams, more than a few teams, that are intrigued by the skill package that he has. We have a lot of time to talk about this, but I had one question
0: about this, Russ. Um, yep. Um, because someone asked me this the other day, and I said I would ask you, so I'm going I'm to do that now. Um, Nolan Nolan Patrick, um, Patrick Nolan, Nolan Patrick, um, is, <laughs> sorry. you know, seems to be the number one pick. If, yep. he, if, he, if he, you know, assuming he was a... U- younger or you're I mean you're older and you come out in the draft last year where would you fit like what what where where would you have slated him if you'd been a, you know same guy same amount of skill right now coming out in the Matthews draft I'm
1: trying to think um, um, well, I'll say it first Russ I I, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't obviously I think Matthews line a, Dubois yep. I don't think he I think he gets picked in the lower part of the top 10 you know maybe 10th I mean, Sergachev, Keller, I mean all those guys I think are probably They're still ahead of them. Um, I think somewhere between 8 and 10. Yep.
0: Okay. I mean and that's not to say like again I don't, I'm, I'm not on the on the bandwagon at this a week draft. I just I'm just No, look, crazy. I mean
2: oh. Brady Kachuk who's a 2018 the way he played in the under 18s, a lot of people think he could be number 1 next year. Right. And so oh. not not number 1 next year, sorry. He would be number 1 this year. This year. Yeah. But he won't be next year.
1: Yeah, the twenty eighteen draft is I mean, and we don't know. It's it we're, we're what fourteen months away from that. But right now with Svechnikov with and with Kachuk You're you're talking a draft that's more along the lines of 2015 and 2016 because those drafts were loaded, I would say, at least the top 12 and maybe even the top 15 of both those Mm -hmm. drafts. You see players that are going to be difference makers in the NHL, whereas I don't know if you maybe have five in the top 15, maybe six. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot
2: for 2018. There is Wallstrom, Olofsson. Like, there's off the top of my head, uh, Valeno – there's, there's, there's a lot of kids. Yeah,
0: interesting.
2: But there's um, going to be a lot in this one, too. It's just yeah. This I did 45. If people go to Sportsology, I ranked 45. I still had a hard time ranking that 45, and it's not my final. The final will always be on the show. I always will do that on Hockey Prospect Radio. But but it, on the 45, there's still guys
1: in play. There's more than 45 in this draft, in, in my
2: estimation, a lot
1: more. And, and what I and what I and what I have said before, and I'll say again. I think this draft could be more exciting in the sense that one draft board is going to be remarkably different than another draft board, which yeah. I think opens up the possibility of trades because you know the some of the you know somebody may want want Timothy Liljagrin. And if he's there at say 10 or 11 or 12, then a team in the twenties seeing an opportunity to get a guy who might be in the top five on their draft board will trade up to get that guy. So I think there's going to be more. If he's tra-
2: there by 12 and I'm going to be on live on live radio. I hope they have a defibrillator for me. Cause I'll be shocked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh anything man, I'm following up one second. Um, well right. just to, just to touch on a couple things yeah, that you cuz exactly. piling
0: up on a rumor. I might be able to
1: share all right, but the, the the two teams right now that don't have coaches um, one team that doesn't have a general manager. There's still a lot of talk in Buffalo regarding who is being interviewed. Apparently, Dean Lombardi has not been asked, so it, does, it doesn't sound like it's going down that road. At least for general manager, um, there, there is some talk that the, the Sabers are going to hire a team president. Which, if, if they do that, then I think that the fears of a lot of Buffalo fans can be quelled a little bit because if Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula are in charge of ho- are are heavily involved in hockey operations. I think that's a sign towards uh, the, the Sabres sort of fumbling this situation you know they, they well, a- I mean we do need to, what we can
2: mention is there was a story that broke yesterday about the bills that basically yeah. said their entire scouting staff will be cleaned out after the draft possibly the GM as well yes. now this does affect the Sabres because you talked about the one guy who's a crossover between the Sabres and and the bills and Ross then Brent. of course the, the same owner.
1: Yeah, and 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 the justification for clearing out the Bills' uh, general manager and the scouting staff—you know—they they use the example of well, they cleared—they've cleared out Tim Murray and they cleared out Dan Bilesma, so they may as well clear out everybody on on that. You know, they just hired a new head coach, so we may as well clear out everybody and start anew on both sides. I mean, that's not a reason why either they're good or they're not good. See, so, act, this is
2: what we were talking about—the volatility now within that market.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's really interesting. I mean, and I've heard, I've talked to a couple people now who have been interviewed that aren't that aren't officially out there yet because they're trying to keep it secret. Um, I talked to somebody that all I can tell you is this: they're interviewing a ton of people. Yeah. Like oh, I'm this, sure. This is not, you know, I, I don't, I don't think. I think it, when all is said and done, they're, it's going to go down as probably the most people that have been interviewed for a GM job. Well, the, the, this, this, this so is at least at least twelve people that I've been able to count so far. At least
1: twelve but this is the thing that'll be curious if they hire if they do not hire a team president somebody who would be in charge of hockey operations and then hire say a younger general manager if they go the direction of just hiring a general manager and somebody who has not been a general manager before this is the type this is the model that happened in Toronto about 10 years ago when they hired John Ferguson jr and they had the MLS board and Larry Tannenbaum Meddling into hockey operations and destroying that team, and if if Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula are meddling into hockey operations with a general manager who's just thankful to have a job, that is an unmitigated disaster for the Sabers. They have to hire a team president who can run things. It sounds like they're going to. Like from talking to people, I've talked to people who've actually interviewed for that job. So
0: yeah. Uh, for the president job, as well as people who interview the GM job, and some people interview like one person who was um going to interview for both of them. So, um, you know, as as not to be but bo- not to be both, but be one or the other. So yeah. there's not there's well that's good. An unbelievable amount of, um, of people interviewing for that job. There's no question. And
1: and uh, the other the other note was that uh, Florida has interviewed. Is it Jim Montgomery, the head of the uh, the uh, uh, coach for University of Denver yes. for the for the for the uh, head coach position? I, I, now there's still an interview process going on there. So he's a
2: real good coach. I think he would do a good job.
1: Yeah. I so
0: they want they want to to him, um and I I don't, I don't I don't I've been looking into that. I don't I don't believe that's true. So, but I'm just chasing. I'm chasing it down. I'm, I'm trying to get him. Trying to get him details about that shortly here.
1: Um, Order, I wonder if Jack Capuano will be would be involved in a interview process in Florida.
0: I think
2: someone will interview him
0: yeah also i gotta gotta hand it to you guys before i know mike you said this and i totally disagree because it didn't make any sense to me but it does appear like if andrew King will not be back in buffalo um and well, it, i
2: think it, i may have been the first one to say it but hey whatever you know no, i
0: mean a lot of people have been saying it but i just felt like i would talk to a couple people early on who said you know, had such a good year but um it, the feeling does not appear to i mean it, it could depend i guess on who they bring in but sure. that person but really the feeling is yeah, you know, somebody called it unsalvageable to me.
1: And that, that would- I, I I I think the odds of Evander Kane getting moved increased with the with the departure of Tim Murray because Tim Murray this yeah. Kane was tied to Tim Murray because that was one of the big deals that he made. But with a year left in his contract, coming off a good year, there might be teams that will overlook his off the ice. You know, indiscretions or problems because he can score goals. And if and if it doesn't work for those teams, he's an unrestricted free agent. So it's a low risk move. But the thing is, I don't think the Sabers are going to get full value for Evander Kane because no, no way. You know, if if you put if you put Evander Kane and James Van Riemsdyk side by side and you see who's going to get a better value, it's going to be James Van Riemsdyk by a landslide. No question.
0: I mean, that's 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 definitely the case. A um, couple of weird stats uh Dreisaitl has seven points in the last three games we talked about Drysdale yesterday seven and he was points. a shark on faceoffs too yeah
1: and he but but he was a but he was a bust he was a bust last year or the year before right Russ
0: yeah yeah i remember we laughed about that yeah predators have um have won five games in a row which is more than they won in the regular season in a row the most, most they won in the regular season in a row was four that's always fascinating
2: they could be the hot team going into the playoffs and we never that's really not.
0: spotted that no, and I'm kind of mad at myself for it because like another thing that I we need to bring in. I mean, obviously, I like the Preds too, so I usually go with the Preds if I, can, if I can. But I just I was blinded, just like everybody else was. I think if, if they hadn't played Chicago, maybe we would have given them more of a more of a chance. But the fact is that everybody thought Chicago was that much better. But when you go from the middle of the season on, the Preds are like the fourth are like the fourth best team in the NHL. So that that's another fact you always have to take into account because the especially like the last 20 games of the season. Really matter. Um, that how a team's playing does matter. Heck, I say you should just
2: write a sad country song about it. That's what most people in that city would do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. All I'm saying is it's, it's it's playing out rather nicely. If the Predators can win this series, um, I agree. They match up pretty well against Anaheim and Edmonton. You know, so it's yep. an interesting. It's, it's playing out nicely. That I mean, my I've always said that I think the coolest thing in the world would be to cover a Stanley Cup final in Nashville. Yeah.
1: I can I can tell you the NHL media will be. Fully rooting for Nashville to get to the final.
0: Everybody loves it there, and I can't imagine a cooler place to have a Stanley Cup parade than down that down that row. You know, like that's just yeah. If
2: they there. if they get into the Stanley Cup finals, I will cover it. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Young Street, yeah, Young Street in Toronto wouldn't be bad for a parade. Young
0: Street, but you know, Broadway and Nashville—that would be <laughs> so. It's such an incredible Stanley Cup parade.
1: Young um, Street in Toronto. I'm trying to think
0: when the last one was. Yeah, yeah, thank it was you, Years ago. Like I said, I'm the curse. I'm the curse of the, uh, of the Russ.
1: 1940. <laughs>
0: so the Coyotes apparently were rejected. Used Sabres. to work. The Sabers apparently approached the Coyotes about their general manager. Did you see this too?
1: Yeah, that, no. that that's see that's that's the sc- that's the scary thing here is that
0: I mean when the Coyote said no, sorry, okay. he's our general manager. Okay, this well,
1: is, this is an indecent proposal
0: moment. NHL, I don't know, you know why
2: you would do that as a team like unless they felt like there's a problem in Arizona.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I, could, could it could it could it could it be that the the two NHL teams that went really heavy into the analytics aspect of management realized after 12 months that that was a disaster?
2: No, but at least the one thing I could say about Arizona is they still have young talent to fall back on.
1: Yeah, yeah, but i mean when is it finally going to be realized it's like i mean you, know,
2: the, uh, you well, know i think it's realized i think it's realized to the point where it's back to being a part of the equation and that's it
0: yeah yeah no i think it's realized already um the jack adams awards finalists are out um i'm going to talk about that briefly um mike babcock todd mcclellan john tortorella mm-hmm. um all interesting in the fact that they're all you know on their second or third teams, but they're you know it's kind of you know usually you have a guy in there that's not necessarily these are all recycled, but you know play, team play, players, coaches who coached other places as head coaches.
1: I mean, it won't it won't be shocking when I when I when I say this since I cover the Leafs, but I, I, I actually think it. I mean, if you base it on the most surprising year, I mean, it's I, I think I think it's Tor it's Torts and it's and it's Babcock. I mean, right, I agree. Going from 30th place to a playoff spot, and going from from I think it was 27th place and being one of the top three teams in the league are, are are great great feats for for a couple really great coaches. I think I think one of the things is that Tortorella. Is, has won the, the Jack Adams before, so that might be something a little bit against it. And Babcock, who's considered one of the best coaches in the league, has finished second and third in two previous uh, Jack Adams nominations. I thought he had never won that. Um, yeah, yeah, that you know,
0: is odd, but it's good for job security that he never did. You're right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know I, you're, I,
1: I would, f- I would favor Babcock. I think Babcock is going to win. I think
0: it's uh, it comes down to those two as well. I think, I think Tortorella probably deserves it a little bit more just because he took it took a team from almost as bad to really really good but i think it's a coin flip i do yeah. but i also think that this I, we know that this is voted on by the media and we know then i i think there's no question who's more popular among the media with, between mike Babcock and john tortorella so i think that at the end of the day babcock will win this thing
1: yeah i agree
0: you know i think and i think that plays into it you know because no, i think it does doesn't have a lot of fans out there but he he definitely, he definitely, does, you know, has, has earned that not having a lot of fans in the media over time. But he was very good this year. So there you have it. Um, all right, let's get into the NHL draft lottery simulator, shall all we? Right. Oh, before we do that, one quick thing I want to show you guys. One quick, thing. This is just, this is just, this is great stuff. Like this, I give, I give, I don't often give graphics departments at NBC a lot of credit, but this, well, this is amazing. You guys see that the uh, the the poster for tonight's game? There we go. No. Right? You're gonna love this. I love this. I think at least this, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Here it is. Ends versus caps. Don't oh like God. it. On, <laughs> I don't like it. You don't like it. That's nope. weak.
1: That is. Weak. I think
0: weak. that's amazing. That no, is, it's weak. That is so. On, yeah.
1: nope. That is so weak. I'm sorry. I love I don't it. Like what
0: it. the hell? guys. I think it's great. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm all for this.
2: That doesn't. I'll, I'll tell you what. For as good as that series is going to be, as a fan yeah. of the game, it evokes nothing out of me. Whereas if I see players hitting each other or the two best players, then I get more excited.
1: Or the fa- like the face I mean, of Cros- like- the face of Crosby and Ovechkin, like uh. A- of course, but how many times?
0: You know, gosh, like we've never seen that before, right? I mean, come on, like give. Act this- Sometimes you just go with a good thing, eh? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. I believe in This No,
1: this is this is, the, this is the, the the equivalent of the Italian hero sub-commercial from Subway that we're going to see ad nauseum for the next two months.
2: And here's the other thing. If I'm the Penguins, for one thing, a pen is pretty obsolete in this day and age, and a big pen at that. Why aren't I a Mont Blanc? I mean, I just won the Stanley Cup. If I'm a big pen, I think
0: I'm a last-place team. <laughs> well, you guys are overthinking it. It's just a fun time. And that's all I can say. It's a fun pun. Ready, la- draft lottery simulator time. And this might be the last one, right? No? No, one more.
1: One, one more tomorrow and then that's it. One more.
0: One more. Oh we will. Right. Um here we go. Ready? That's math. Uh, Dallas the Dallas Stars. They won yesterday. Again! Wow. 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 A fix. Two days in a row. Okay. Followed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs>
2: this is the same order.
0: No, okay, now the double. And that, right. they, uh, Tampa, yeah, Tampa, up.
1: Tampa Bay would get sheer and that you know, and, would, Russ would that would that would that accelerate the trade of Jonathan Drouin for a defenseman? I think it would.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's something.
0: Wow, there you go. So that's, that's a good one. All right. Um, all we can say from now at this point is I'm really upset that the game in uh, in you know in Ottawa isn't starting at 10 o'clock tonight. I'll throw that out there as well. I hate the fact that you know we have these two games starting at basically the same time.
1: At least. Yeah. Can, can, can we just – I mean, if this was a creation of NBC, then thumbs down on NBC to have the two Western series go at, what, 8 and 10.30, overlapping each other, and then the No, two- but you
2: know what they want here, Mike. This is an – this is what they want. They want to be able to – well, actually, is it at least staggered by a few minutes or no?
0: half-hour difference tonight. Yeah. Yes.
2: So this way they, they could go to studio from the one game and show highlights and maybe a live look-in from the other. That's what they seem to like. Ah, uh,
0: it's just so it's so. I – mean, I'm just
2: telling you that's what they want. Oh, I know.
0: Okay wait, wait, wait. Do you want to hear game.
1: more Mike Milbury or less Mike Milbury and see more action? Yeah, <laughs> I just want to see the games on different days. I want to I have double headers, 7 and 10.30.
0: Yeah, I, w- I, I would. I would rather them. St- I'd rather them start one at seven and one at eight thirty tonight. I don't know why you can't start a game at eight thirty in Ottawa, but you know what the heck. I would say because people out there would probably love it because getting a traffic-
1: yeah. Nothing, nothing go on. Nothing goes on in Ottawa.
0: No, I just think that you know. Well, you know, hopefully we'll see like an overtime game tonight, so we'll get to watch one of them. Um, but you know, who knows? Never know. Seven thirty. At least you won't have to deal with the you know in between periods thing where you know have- you have to watch them. You are right about that. I do like the Keith Jones commercial about you know. Um, about the, about Milbury's memes and stuff like that. The yeah, that's is funny. It is funny, especially knowing. He yes. I want to know how much they had to pay him to do that or how much he had to pay them. I should say, um, I laughed. they may have paid, he may have paid them to do that one. Um, anyway, remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We'll talk to you tomorrow.